this is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. Happy New Year, everybody. It's a brand new year. There's a lot of hope and possibilities and potential that face all of us in coming 2021. At the end of last year, at the end of 2020, I made the decision that I wanted to create sort of a theme for these first four shows, and I wanted that theme to be you. Coinciding with the brand new year, I wanted to talk about new riders who are a part of our Criterium Nation who are making this a better place. So I collected four different voices of four phenomenal people on top of being phenomenal bike racers, and I'm going to present them to you during the month of January. These are folks that you may already know of, but you're going to learn a lot more of. You probably should know of because they're great bike racers or that I'll be introducing to you for the very first time. I'm really super excited about this effort because this is what I've always wanted to do. I've wanted to give voice to those stories that have not really been told yet. Doing this, creating this theme for 2021 has caused me to go back down memory lane. I spent a lot of time over the last couple of weeks after I first sat down and talked to today's guest, Tyler Reynolds from First Internet Bank, about my own past as an athlete. And in fact, on Christmas Day, I went down this entire stroll through 1995, 96, 97, 98, trying to decide whether or not my swimming career was a success or at what point in time did it get off the rails and I took what could have been promising and and made it not as promising as it should have been. And in retrospect, none of it really matters. The past is the past. And I am so incredibly happy about my present that changing anything from the past could have impacted the way that things worked out. And so I'm not going to waste a lot of time thinking about whether or not I should have incorporated more weights into my swimming career and training in 97 and 98 and why I didn't end up making the Olympic team. None of that stuff really impacts the journey and the voyage. What I recall the most out of all of these times that I've spent as an athlete since the age of six in 1984 is the happy camaraderie, the joy, the being around other people who share the same interest as I do. Even though I might not be friends with those people who I was swimming with or who I may have started bike racing with, doesn't mean that they didn't have a positive impact on my life or change something or pushed me in a new direction. I am who I am because of all of these shared experiences. And There is no such thing as the right road to be on as compared to the road that you're currently on when it comes down to who you are as a person. And I think that's what a lot of these athletes that you'll hear during the course of the next four weeks are struggling with, are talking about, are thinking about as humans, is where do they fit in into the world of bike racing that we all share? They fit in exactly where they need to fit in. They are going to make mistakes. They are going to have successes. They are going to make friends and create lifelong relationships that will alter the way that they view the world and the way that the world approaches them. And that 
amount of possibility and potential is just absolutely inspiring. It's interesting that a lot of these athletes are now half my age. And in fact, I, in the interview here with Tyler, talk about being 41. Well, now I'm 42. Time keeps moving forward and events keep passing. But all of it is so wonderful and so exciting and so encouraging. Since Tyler and I spoke, you know, he's moved into a new place. He has started a new life for himself as an adult. And that is absolutely inspiring. Let's talk about inspiring for a second. Let's talk about the Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows the world's only top-tier collection of independent cycling content. It's a network that this show is a part of, and it is something that we are very proud to be a member of. There are a lot of other great shows on the network. The Slow Ride Podcast, The Consummate Athlete, Nowhere Fast, Cyclocross Radio, The Gravel Lot, a lot of shows that you should be following on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple iTunes, whatever it happens to be. So head on over to WideAnglePodium.com, become a member of the network, and help support this content creator-owned network. And while we're talking about supporting shows like this one, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to get your, your podcast, because that's the way that this show gets pushed out to other people. The algorithms, as they may be, are based on input and feedback from people and if you put something in there it'll help others find out about this show it'll help others learn about the work that the my friends at the slow ride podcast are doing and on and on and on so i want to get in here with tyler reynolds and introduce himself to the world as the bike racer that he is so let's get into the show My name is Tyler Reynolds. I'm from Pella, Iowa, and I race for First Internet Bank. Now, Pella is not a place that a lot of people outside of Iowa probably know where it is, or even some people in the United States might not know where Iowa actually is. (laughs) Where in reference to Kansas City, Chicago, you know, Omaha, the big cities in the area, Minneapolis, does Pella fall? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I was pretty dang close to just being smack dab in the middle of the U.S. And then Pella would be, if you know where Des Moines is, it's about 45 minutes southeast. I mean, that's pretty much what I tell everybody else. But uh, we'd go to Chicago. It's about three and a half. It's four going up to Wisconsin, about two and a half, three going down to Kansas. And uh, Colorado, I think, is about 10. So you are basically in the middle of the best criterium racing in the country. Yeah. None of it happens in Pella. Nope. (laughs) But you can get to all of it really quickly. I'd say that's probably the nice part. That probably explains why you have raced an insane amount in the last five or six years. I mean, starting back in 2014, all the way through 2019, you, there was no year that you raced less than 44 times. <laughs> now, you you are cheating a little bit because for a large part of that, you were a junior. Yeah. So 
we got to get that out of the way first. Mm -hmm. You aren't anywhere near as old as I am at 41 years old, are you? (laughs) Nope. Coming in at 19, just turned 19, uh, two days ago. Oh, happy birthday. You, you're, thank you. You're a Christmas baby, just like I am. (laughs) Oh my God. So since we're talking a little bit about Iowa and you know, a lot of people don't realize how kind of topographically interesting Iowa can be, (laughs) especially where you live in central Iowa, as opposed to going north towards Ames and Minneapolis when it becomes absolutely pancake flat. Training and riding your bike as a road racer in Iowa actually is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'd say a lot of it's just kind of more rolling hills. Uh, we got a lot of gravel here, so if you like gravel, it's perfect. <laughs> but uh, you're never going to get a climb that's longer than about 60 seconds. And then if you're out on the road, you got to be really careful of all the semi-trucks. I know being from Pella, uh, all our highways don't really have any shoulders, and it's very heavily semi-truck trafficked with uh, all the grocery stores and all that. So typically I'll try to get out on gravel just where it's a little bit safer, less cars. And uh, if I am on the highway, always having my Flare R from Bontrager, which is seen from two miles away, which I personally love. And I've even had cars drive up to me and uh, think I was something else just because the light is so bright. It's definitely different. Um, And then you get some other people who uh, just hate us for no reason at all. Um, I've had one experience where the, uh, the dude was coming at me. And didn't do anything to him, but he laid on his horn. He gave me the finger and I just kept riding and I was trying to do an FTP test actually. So mentally that, that got to me a little bit, but, uh, it's, it's different. It's weird. What did it do to your file? I'm just wondering, did, did, did your power climb instantly or did, was it just your heart rate went up? My heart rate definitely went up. <laughs> I was not expecting it at all. And it kind of threw, uh, threw me out of my groove actually. So I think my power numbers went down just a little bit, and then I got mad for no reason. So might have jumped a little bit, but it was weird. <laughs> I would say so. I the reason that I first learned of who Tyler Reynolds was was with regard to an episode that we put together earlier this year about what we wish we would have known getting into bigger races. And you know, one of your coaches put you in in touch with me, and he said that this was a you know a young bike racer who knew a thing or two about the big time races. And it's funny that your comment, which was about being willing to be physical in a bike race, willing to lean into people, does his training in a place where there's nobody else out there. There's not a lot of way for you to get that experience. Whereas if you talk to Michael Tan or any of the guys from Good Guys Racing New York in New York City, they're leaning into cabs and buses on their rides just because that's Manhattan life. How did you learn this sport of bike racing in Iowa of all places? That's a great question. It definitely came from watching YouTube videos. Uh, I know that for sure. I, the reason why I was always going to uh, watching YouTube videos is even as like a young kid when I watched the tour, it always gave me the excitement where I just, as soon as I kind of watched that, I'd go out, get my bike and start racing or, you know, imaginary racing because uh, there's nobody else by me. But that, I mean, that was way back when I was eight. So watching YouTube videos kind of gave me that learning atmosphere where I can see it and then I can just kind of imagine it. And then once a race starts, I kind of put myself in the position and uh, kind of test it through there. So again, with all that 44 plus races I did every year, uh, that's pretty much my learning. 
And that's kind of how my, I taught myself. I, I, I wish that I had the opportunity to raise 44 times a year or 50 times a year. <laughs> I know that I do. I just don't think that my, my body could physically, you know, actually handle it. But um, talking about Iowa, talking about the middle part of the country, it's not someplace that's known for developing bike racers. You would be much more inclined to find in Iowa specifically a wrestler or a football player or, you know, somebody who plays traditional ball sports. How was it that you made it all the way through high school and through, you know, some pretty fundamental times in your life being this bike racer as opposed to being what, you know, would be more commonly expected of somebody? Uh, well, I loved all sorts of sports. So I, I did try to do like the basketball, football, track, cross country, all of the above. Um, but cycling just kind of hit home a little bit different. Uh, had a special place in my heart where my dad started out as a runner. I uh, went to college on a run or a scholarship for running. And then he had too many injuries. So kind of did biking as cross training. And uh, then I kind of was born and was brought up through that. Would go to races with him, with the whole family, all that. So definitely through racing, I have been able to spark some of uh, my best friends. Uh, I know of like Cole Impact and Luke Firehelm, who also come from around Iowa, which is Luke Firehelm. Uh, Nebraska would be Cole Impact. But those are some of my closest friends. I actually have Cole Impact over right now. Usually <laughs> we never plan on it, but we uh, have two days that we'll set up and we hang out just because it is a three-hour drive away. So we don't get to do that very often. Well, let me, let me ask you this is getting one of the big things for me about bike racing. And the thing that I love the most is, is camaraderie. It's the ability to go out on a group ride or the ability to ride with your friends. When you're a 16 year old kid in Iowa, you probably don't have a lot of same age group friends who are into bike racing, especially in Pella. You know, how did you find other people and how did you make these connections to other guys and, and or girls who are, you know, in your age bracket? Was pretty close friends with my dad's friends just because that's the only people I ever got a ride with. It's an hour drive just to get to a group ride of about 20 people. There's a few people that ride recreationally around here. So ride with them every once in a while, which is huge for training and, and way nicer than riding alone. But if, if I'm going for like a race pace or need some like huge intervals or doing a really long day, uh, it's usually going to be about an hour drive for me, which makes it a little, little difficult. Back to like the question, it's different. I, I pick cycling just from the people I've met, the places I get to go. I mean, with football or soccer or any other sport, high school sport, it's really cool to go to like state and you kind of see some different things through that and colleges start looking at you. But with, with cycling, you get to travel nationwide or even internationally. I've been fortunate enough to get to go to South Korea and Canada to race. But even within the nation, you get to meet so many different people. Uh, cultures are are different all over the place here. So that's definitely something that's huge for me is is I love getting to travel and see new things. Talk about that experience in, in South Korea. I, I think that that's the, the tour of the DMZ. Is that what it was? Yeah. How amazing was it for you, you know, to go over there and to to be a part of that experience? It was amazing. I, I don't even know the the right words to really describe it besides you just got to go do it yourself. It's the racing was super cool, but even off the bike, 
uh, seeing the different culture, uh, the foods, it's all different over there. And there was so many things that we tried to go and do. And we were only there for a week and there was still so many things we, we kind of missed out on, but terrain is way different. Uh, how people kind of act was, I mean, everyone was super nice, but they're a little bit more quiet and we're also tourists. So they're not going to be jumpy uh, to come talk to us right off the bat, but it was a really cool experience. Kind of sucks that when you're a picky eater, I will say that. <laughs> the, the problem is, is that, it, it, just like me, I didn't know what any food was outside of like very classic Chicago food, steak and potatoes. You know, my mom occasionally got crazy and made tacos, which was the store brought hard tortilla and ground beef. That was basically taco. It wasn't until I moved to uh, the East Coast that I suddenly learned that there's Indian food and Korean food is absolutely delicious. I go to this place called Soul Spice all the time and their their rice bowl, it's a bimbap, is just absolutely amazing and it's got like 5,000 different flavors. So I know how, <laughs> how rough it could be, especially seafood. Tell me, are you into seafood? Depends on the day. Uh, sometimes I am, but most of the time I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You don't eat seafood in a landlocked state. It's just not the thing. So we're going to go from one end of the spectrum all the way back to the other end of the spectrum. So we talked about tour of the DMZ. I want to take you back to 2019 Snake Alley. Okay. So for those who don't know what Snake Alley is, it is, you just explain. I mean, you've raced it way more recently than I have. What is Snake Alley? Snake Alley, the best way I can put it, is built for a cyclocross rider. It is right off the gun. Uh, you start, it's an automatic sprint because you want to be at least top 10 usually going into the hill. Uh, you take a right, you go up the first hill leading to Snake Alley, the actual, the, the cobble or the brick climb. As soon as you enter, it always bottlenecks. So a lot of times uh, in the start of a race, people have to unclip and actually run up the hill just because it the bottleneck gets too crazy. And it snakes back and forth. That's kind of where it comes from, Snake Alley. But it is a, a brick climb that's pretty rough, but snakes back and forth. I think it's about six or seven turns that you got to go up. And then once you hit the top of that, you keep climbing. And then for about another block, you take a right and then descend all the way down. And then you're right back into it. Do you know why such a piece of stupidity actually exists in this small town in Iowa? No clue. No clue at all. <laughs> so I can't remember which of the Quad Cities it's in, but when that particular city was built, it's built into the bluff that comes up from the Mississippi River. And the only way for them to get fire trucks, fire engines up that bluff was to snake the engine back and forth and back and forth. And this was long before fire trucks with engines and things like that. This was like horse drawn sort of. And so that was the road that they would go up to get to the houses that were up on top of the bluff. And so hence why they paved it, but it's only, it's not designed for cars. It's, it is definitely designed for horse drawn traffic. But the reason I bring it up is because I think 
you have an in, an incredible number of wins and an incredible number of podiums, but this was the result that drew my attention the first to to you, and you got 14th that day. You got 14th as an 18 year old, but if you look at the names of the people who are in front of you, Adrian Hedgeberry, Danny Summerhill is the winner, Kyle Perry from Roadhouse. These are the heavy hitters. I mean, you go to a PRT race and you're going to see, you know, Thomas Rivard lining up right there. So I feel like this is probably when you knew that you were one of the biggest, baddest guys in the Midwest for sure. But I'm going to ask you this question so that you can answer it. When did you realize that being a bike racer was something that you were actually good and talented at doing? Honestly, I think it came more from just inside the racing itself rather than the results. A lot of people always just look at results, but in reality, it's, it is a team sport. So it's, it's all about what you can do inside the race. Uh, sometimes th- this is huge for me is if you're willing to lay down your race for the, the good for the team, for somebody else to win. Cause if someone else on your team wins, that's still a win for you. I kind of knew when I was able to position myself wherever I wanted inside the field to set myself up or set my teammate up or anything like that, that kind of sits in a little bit. That's kind of more of when I knew that I'm where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. For a lot of the time that you've been racing, you've been racing pretty much solo or on very small junior development teams, but you've recently made the jump to racing on a domestic elite team with First Internet Bank. You're you're actually the first guest we've had on uh, from First Internet Bank. So you get to tell everybody kind of what this team is about. And you were supposed to race for them this year, 2020, but, you know, 2020 is whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the good thing is you're going to be back for 2021 yep. with them. So you get to practice now with us and tell us what is First Internet Bank. Yeah, uh, I wish I could say a lot more about it. I've only kind of met the guys once at a team camp, and then I just kind of talked to them through Instagram on a group chat along with a, a group text. From what I've seen and, and kind of what I experienced with them, super cool, very laid back team. Uh, we're very organized. I, I so badly wish I got a race with them at least just once. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the first time I get to do that with them. But we're definitely organized, and I know we're we're ready to get legs moving and hopefully rip them up. You, you know, I think a lot of people probably started seeing First Internet Bank in 2019 when uh, I think they went one, two, three in the men's road race at the amateurs. Yeah, and then they mix it up at the pro yep. crit race yep. uh, in Knoxville. These guys are 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 good. <laughs> They're not just good. They're actually phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, Being yeah. a part of this team, you know, making the jump from above and beyond to where you are now. How, how does that, you know, work with your trajectory of ultimate world domination? It's just kind of a new atmosphere. Uh, I always love going out and trying to find something new and learning something new every day. So the biggest thing I, I want from this is something that they can teach me and, and I'll learn from them and hopefully I can kind of bring it on with me and, uh, you know, add that to my, my skill set. There's still so many opportunities that I'm, I'm super excited for and hopefully 2021 will bring that. 
the guys on the team are a little bit older than you. Uh, you know, you've got, um, what's his nickname? The old man and, and Paul who's 46 and, and you've got other guys on the teams who are in their twenties and, and thirties. How do you plan on, you know, as the 19 year old fresh face making yourself a part of the organization? Just doing whatever I can to help out, whether that be on social media, whether that be in a race, uh, off the bike, anything I can do, uh, I, I would definitely do it for them. I, I remember when we were at uh, Arkansas at the house for the training camp, uh, looking forward to kind of what the 2020 season was going to bring, just ha- kind of hung out with the guys and it was a great match. Uh, watched multiple races with them because it was the classic season, uh, made great food, made great memories. I, I think that I'm going to learn a lot from them, whether it be from bike racing or just traveling around because they have done it longer than me. Uh, So just kind of looking for that. What was it like actually getting to meet these guys this year and to do a a team camp? Like, I I can't believe that this is the same year (laughs) that all of those things happened, you know, because it was... It was yeah. March when I was with the butcher box men and women at their team camp. And then like life immediately changed. And so you had all this hope and promise and this forward progress that was going to happen. What was it like meeting these guys and, and doing all of that? Yeah. Well, I, I remember I was very nervous cause I, I have not met any of them uh, except for Tanner Ward and uh, Johnny, just cause I've raced against them, but I've never really talked to them before. But I was the first one to arrive to the house, so I got the keys. I was the one, first one to kind of pick my bed, which, you know, that was kind of nice. But as soon as they all started rolling in and getting there, it was just like meeting a new face, uh, you know, just say hi. I introduced myself and kind of go from there, and you get your first impressions. And all the guys were super cool, very relaxed. It, it, was, it was awesome. So you were the first person there. That is, that is that is the way to ingratiate yourself. That's what they always told me when I started my job. Be there five minutes before your boss and stay five minutes after your boss, you know, or whatever the appropriate derivative is that for for the uh, for bike racing. Was there fear in your mind going on the first group rides about getting dropped by these guys? Oh, yeah, I was nervous. I mean, it was early in the season. All I've been doing was riding Zwift. So it felt great to get uh, out on the bike. Um, it was also my first ride ever on the team bike. So I was excited to see how that felt. You know, we went out and honestly, that team camp was the the first time I ever hit a century, which is kind of embarrassing to say, but we did 110 miles and I finished up and didn't get dropped by them. We had multiple times where we stopped and kind of got some food from the team car that followed us. So it was always nice to have a small break. Got to the end. I was like, oh man, that was awesome. That's my first century. And everyone kind of just mouths wide open eyes wide open like wait i'm sorry did i just hear you correctly you just said that was your first century and you would think that living in iowa that you could get a century in seven days a week if you just went with the direction that the wind was blowing sort of thing yeah (laughs) how can you have so many impressive results without ever having crossed that magical mark until 2020 no idea. <laughs> uh, it, it's the only thing I can blame it on is I love to be social. So we're getting to ride with people is way more motivating, but I, I'd say that's the only thing. So we're going to be, we're going to bridge back to this. This is my way of laying kind of a foundation for where we're going. Cause ultimately we, I want to talk about the way that you kind of brought yourself to people's attention in the bike racing world, because 
you know, one of the big things about cycling is that it's, it's a sport of, of networking. You have to network in order to get better, to, to find opportunities. It's, it's not one of those sports where people just throw themselves at you, but let's, let's dial it back and talk about juniors racing. And you came up in the juniors racing program. So, you know, you are, I believe it was the 15, 16 national champion. Yeah. In 2017. And, you know, you've raced a lot in San Dimas. You raced as a junior Valley of the sun, which is one of the biggest juniors races in the country you raced, but then you would intermix racing with, you know, senior fields. So cat two, cat three, cat one, how did you make decisions about what races that you would go to, to race as a junior and then what races that you would go to, to race as a categorized race? Keep in mind, I know that you cheated and raced in both races on the same day sometimes, but you know, <laughs> for San Dimas, you kind of had to pick because it's a stage race. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so like for San Dimas and VOS, that is a juniors qualifying to go to Europe with uh, USA cycling. So that was a huge influencer on me on why I went to San Dimas and VOS and Tosh. Uh, so, I mean, that was the biggest thing for me, uh, picking juniors there. Uh, but anywhere else, I wanted a bigger field with, with uh, more competition. Uh, so I, I try to go with a senior field because I know they like to race a, lot, a little bit more aggressive. And I do like the aggressive racing. Um, so that style was, was more of kind of what influenced me, unless it was more of a qualifying race for something. And then whenever I could race two a days, it was always uh, more fun. I mean, I, you get another training aspect to it. I mean, I love racing. So the more I can do, let's do it. <laughs> when did you make the jump from Cat 2 to Cat 1? Yeah. So uh, my first Cat 2 race that I did, I won that one, which was in the, the Oklahoma, I think it was uh, Pan Am or something. Or I can't remember the name exactly, but which has a funny story about that. But the jump from Cat 2 to Cat 1 I think I had all the points I needed, which I think is what, like 30 or 35 within a month and a half. And I was like, you know what? Let's see if I can just become a one. I don't see it being too big of a difference, at least in the Midwest. Once you get out of here, it, it is a bigger difference. But I mean, I thought it'd be cool to be 18 and a cat one and kind of show that off a little bit. But I was denied the first time just because there was not enough road race experience, which is uh, difficult to get in the Midwest it's kind of hard to find those. So was denied the first time. And then I think it was about another three or four months after that, I applied again after got a few results in road races and wanted that, that cat one title and was accepted in that one. So was super cool with that, but was excited just to have the points and kind of know that I, I, I can be there. But I, I had a friend of mine who catted up too fast going through the rankings, got to a one and then was just kind of middle of the pack every single time or got dropped a few times, never had like the exceptional result. And he was 18 also. And I, I think at that point of your life, you go through a phase where adulting really starts to kind of hit you in the face a little bit where you graduate, you go to college, you have to start accepting a little bit more with bills or finding a place to stay, whether like uh, getting an apartment. I know I just signed a lease for one. So looking forward to moving in on the second, which I'm really excited about. But Again, that kind of brings it back to the adulting where you're in that phase of life where if you're kind of struggling with motivation with training or you're not getting the results you want, it kind of bites you in the butt a little bit. And he did end up quit racing and had a girlfriend, picked up more of a job and kind of switched gears and started adulting more instead of worrying about the racing, which 
is super cool. I mean, he still has a great life. I know he's he's super happy. Would have been really cool to see where he could have gone with cycling if he just was a little bit slower with it. So as much as I wanted to cat up and get right into it, at the same time, I also wanted to take it slow and make sure I enjoy every single moment of it. Where are you Where are you headed to? Where are you, where are you moving to? I am moving to Ames. I'm going to be right by Iowa State. I'm going to attend DMAC, which is just a community college. It's a little bit cheaper and uh, get some of my general education. And then hopefully after COVID kind of settles down, I can possibly go back to a cycling school uh, and hopefully get to race a little bit collegially. Since we're talking about that jump from Cat 2 to Cat 1, you know, obviously as you progress up the chain, it becomes harder and harder or the competition becomes steeper. I'm not really sure what is the better way to say it other than that. For you, there was a sheer dominance all over the place. And, you know, even with the the juniors fields at some of the biggest races, you still placed really, really well. And, and then, you know, if you look through your results, you end up finding yourself at Dundee at Intelligentsia Cup last year. Now, West Dundee is is not the typical Chicago race or Midwest race that you would think of. It features something that they call the leg breaker hill. And again, just like uh, Snake Alley, it's a river bluff town where, you know, you've got to come and go through this God awful short, steep, punchy climb that doesn't relent even when you get over the top of it. And you have to hit it again and again and again and again because the laps are so darn short. And it's probably one of your least impressive results over the last couple of years. Yeah. But I think it's important to talk about things that you learn from experiences that aren't the best. Yep. So, you know, not necessarily this particular race at Dundee, but just, you know, when you have gotten your butt kicked. You know, what are the things that you've learned from these experiences? Yeah. So uh, I know for that race, and this is an excuse I'm going to use. <laughs> I just got done racing in Canada for Tour de Libidibi and uh, was I flew back and I think it, it was like a day later, got into a van and went to Chicago to guest ride for the uh, uh, New England Devo team because they just kind of invited me and I was like, hey, if I can race, let's do it. So a day later, I'm driving to Chicago. I show up and of course, it's got to be the leg breaker hill and was in that race, just kind of sitting in doing what I could. Uh, I felt pretty dead and uh, was trying to do my best to help out the team. But then we also had a teammate. As soon as I pulled out, we had a teammate who who did end up crashing, which was very unfortunate because he was looking like he was going to do pretty dang well in that race. Positioning in that field is, is huge. Once you kind of go past the finish line, this is after the climb. It snakes through a little bit, which kind of single files out the field. And as soon as you're single file, it's less of a draft. And then you get right back into the hill. So it's hard to move up. I remember when I pulled out, it was single file the whole way. And I pulled over, was dead. Uh, saw everyone go by and was just like, all right, I, I'm going to save it for tomorrow. I got to recover for this so I can actually do something for this team. And I remember the that particular race because I was sitting in corner one. Uh, uh, you know, watching and enjoying everybody else's pain and suffering after having gone through my own. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I don't think people realize about that course is that that turn into the hill is actually way more than 90 degrees. And now you can carry a lot of speed through that corner, but like as you get further and further back, 
you become, you know, the accordion. And and even in the pro one field, you know, you still suffer from the the accordion. But you came back the next day at Niles, totally different type of race course, and you had a top 25. And then, you know, you had a top 10 a couple of days later. You know, do you feel that you're the kind of person who who learns quickly from his mistakes or not even mistakes, just learns quickly from his experiences and applies it. Yeah, I like to. I like to try that. Yeah, uh, you you can totally elaborate on that one because I was for sure. So with making mistakes is is always going to be something that you're going to have to do. If you don't make mistakes, you're never going to succeed. You got to learn from that to actually kind of improve. So with that, I I knew after that race, I was pretty pretty dead after all the traveling and getting in that race. And it's I've done it multiple times in races where I bonk not from inside the race, but just doing too much before, whether that be staying up too late in a hotel room or uh, walking around too much, trying to find something new to do in that city before the races. I've had multiple times where I will wake up and, and my legs will be dead before the race even starts. And I've made that mistake too many times. So I kind of knew, all right, I need a little bit of recovery if I'm ever going to be able to get back into this uh, for the next day. So those mistakes are something that you need to do to actually learn from it and actually come back and succeed through it. Now, you have succeeded. You know, you found your way onto this team, onto First Internet Bank. And, you know, as kind of previewed a few seconds ago, we need to talk about how you were able to develop and grab somebody's attention. Because Obviously, this is an issue that we are dealing with as a community right now. You know, just recently, USA Cycling announced its junior development program with a kind of a pay-to-play sort of approach. We we don't need to talk about that because that's not the purpose of this show. This show is to talk about you and how you did it. So you're 19 years old now. You've progressed up the chain you know the value of networking and you're primed now, you know, it would have been last year, but you're primed now to be on a domestic elite team, taking it to the pros here in the United States, taking it to the top level. How did you get yourself to this position? All through networking. I mean, the cycling community is pretty small and everyone knows each other, other uh, really well. So the how I've been able to get onto different teams or even go to races is purely just from being friends with so many people and getting to meet them and try to get close with them. Uh, so if you can't find a ride to a race, you ask a friend and, and nine times out of 10, they're going to say, yeah, I got extra space. Come along with me, you know, give me a little bit of gas money. Same thing with teams. If you know, you're uh, coming from a junior, if you graduate, you kind of no longer on that team just because you're no longer in that ranking. So I was fortunate enough to know the right people and, they were able to help me kind of get connected with more people, uh, such as Ryan Knapp with First Internet, and uh, kind of started talking with them, shared my resume, you know, just kind of had that good relationship started out and uh, was fortunate enough to kind of keep it going. Well, talk about the persons who helped you along the way, because networking is one thing, but networking requires you to know the right 
people or be willing to talk to everybody who you can possibly talk to until you find those right people. So for you, one of those people was Bill Marshall. Yes, he's been a huge factor. So introduce us to Bill because he has not been a guest on this show. I've tried to wrangle him in the in the trailer from time to time at, at, at various races. But, you know, tell us about Bill. Uh, he is a very busy guy and I don't know if he ever stops working. <laughs> he is definitely that go-getter and is always looking to kind of uh, help out with, with all sorts of different things, but very very uh, hardworking, always looking to help somebody out improve. I have definitely been fortunate enough to kind of get put under his wing. Uh, and he's always looking out for me, even when I'm not noticing it, he, he's always right there, which is huge to me. I've appreciated everything he's done for me, even at, at cycle cross races, always hanging out with them. Uh, I mean, there was a time where I finished a race. This was in Kentucky where I swear there was more running than riding the bike. Uh, so the bike was very, very muddy all the time. He helped my dad out in the pit, uh, along with a few other people. So it was cleaning bikes. So always working. And even right after our race finished and I was trying to kind of give my dad the race recap of what happened and all that. He came over, he's like, here, let me wash your bikes real quick, which, you know, even the little things are huge to me. I, I really appreciated that. And I mean, I, I won't ever forget that. And I aspire to be a lot like that. I mean, he cleaned my bikes up right then and there just, everything he has he's like hey if you need something let me know i'll help it out whether it be putting air in my tires washing my bike off getting me onto a domestic elite team he's done so much for me tell us about the advice that you would give to the 14 or 15 year old my my team here in washington dc dc velo has the dc devo academy so it's a group of 15 16 year old boys and now girls who are student athletes and we are trying to, as a team, create this group of exceptional human beings who also happen to be bike racers. If you could give advice to Alex Cash or Luca Scuriati or Chris Hardy or Katya Sarkisov, you know, the people who are on this team, it, coming from somebody who's gone through it very recently, what's the advice that you would give to the juniors? Yeah. So the biggest thing I can say is results are huge, but people don't really remember all sorts of your results. What they definitely will remember is what you do off the bike, how you act, how you treat other people, how you carry yourself. That is definitely the biggest thing. Um, I mean, even for myself, I'll look back on races and I won't even remember what results I got for that specific race. I'll have to look it up for myself. But for something that I've done, that will always stick around for people or what I've seen other people do. I won't ever forget that. I'll, I'll forget the result, but I will never forget what they've done for other people or what they have, have, you know, like kind of what more of what they do, if that makes sense. What did you do to really grab Ryan Knapp's attention? What was it, do you think, that in your resume that put you in front of other riders? That's a great question. I'm hoping that it was more how I carry myself. Uh, I mean, I think first impressions are always huge when you meet someone. So trying to be as respectful and kind of outgoing as possible, I think that's huge, at least for my opinion. And I'm kind of hoping that reached out and kind of made him see me a little bit more while looking at my results and looking at my resume. And I, I kind of put in like, hey, man, like I, I'm here to do whatever you want. So if, if I get the opportunity to race for you guys, just know that I am willing to lay down my race for the good of the team, for somebody else to win. That is the type of rider I want to be. And I'm hoping I can learn more from you guys. There's a photograph of you that 
I think is, is kind of the way that I want to kind of wrap this up. And it's a photograph that we use as the cover for the, what I wish I had known episode. And it is probably one of the best cycling photos that I've ever seen. And now because of, because of this show, I've, I've had the ability to get to know a lot of the photographers. And so, you know, Snowy Mountain and Bruce Buckley and, and Patrick Daly. And there are some really super iconic photos from the last 24 months. You know, Bruce's picture of Justin and Corey Williams hugging after Hagerstown. You've got any number of pictures from USA Crits, like the one from Starla Tedegrin when she's blowing kisses to the fans as she's being introduced. And then you've got your photo, which is probably one of the best finish line photos that I've ever seen. Do you recall Mark Cavendish, the the pro bike racer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I I mean, you're young, but you're not that young. But you, <laughs> <laughs> somebody yeah. who's still an active racer. Yeah. In 2009, there's a potentially apocryphal story of Cavendish and winning the green jersey at the Tour de France. The day of the race, he wanted to get a brand new HTC phone. This was you know, way back in the day. And the rep for HTC was there. And he said, I'd really like two of those phones, one for me and one for a family member. And the guys kind of balked a little bit, I guess, at the second one. And Cavendish is just like, just wait till the end of the race. Just wait till the end of the race. And so this is the famous picture where Cavendish in the green jersey crosses the finish line on that same day with his hand like a phone to his ear, with his hand underneath the HTC and it became that company's like, you know, marketing campaign for the entire year. That's where I'm going to put this photo. So you and Cavendish right up next to each other. Can you help us break this photograph down? Oh, for sure. I think I know where it takes place, but where is this picture from? Yeah. So, uh, First Cat 2 race of my Cat 2 career. I, I drove eight hours from Pella, uh, picked up the team van, uh, one of my teammates, and then a guest rider. So it was just three of us. Drove the eight hours straight through, got there, was super pumped, loved the weather, got out and got the bike ready and took place at the Oklahoma Pro-Am first day. I, I remember very vividly on the drive there, I was talking to my dad on the phone and he was trying to like kind of prep me for it. He, you know, saying... You need to be ready to hold your position like none other. They get very physical, very aggressive. And I'm like, all right, that's sweet. Like, I like that style of racing. I like the aggression. I mean, it was definitely way more aggressive than any Cat 3 field I've raced, especially at a big race like this. And in the photo, you you can see that I'm very surprised. And the reason why is you go into the last lap and I'm about middle of the field. You know, I'm, I'm kind of sitting in a little bit trying to figure out if I can push through for a sprint or am I going to just kind of roll in for this one today and get as high of a a placing as I can get. Um, But while I'm sitting there trying to make things happen in the last lap, a rider over or half lap or overlapped wheels and came into me and started pushing me, which with me being a smaller rider, uh, I got pushed over into touching the back wheel of somebody else with my front wheel, which almost took me uh, straight down to the ground. Thankfully, uh, nobody crashed, but I did hit somebody else, which I think kind of kept me up. And then I hit another rear wheel, hit somebody else, and it kind of bounced me back up. Uh, One of the riders behind me kind of called me out saying, like, I shouldn't be there, which kind of gave me motivation, like a quick burst of energy. 
And I just saw the opening and I took off. I was like, all right, there's three people off the front. If like, why not? Let's just go for it. Caught them with about three corners left, flew by them, was going too fast and not want to touch my brakes. I just was, you know, it's a full send kind of day and went by my coach at the time. And he's like, holy cow, go Tyler, go like, this is awesome. And started, uh, heading towards the last corner. It's a downhill. I looked back, I saw I had the gap and I knew that I was going to cross the line alone in my first cat two race. So just kind of was unbelievable and came around the corner. I posted up and honestly, I just did not believe it felt very surreal. Uh, I could hear the announcer going crazy, yelling my name, all the, the fans that were hitting on the fence, just one of the best feelings in the world to hear and see that and was just unbelievable. Well, who, whoever grabbed this, the composition's incredible. I mean, your attention to detail is huge. Obviously, winning the race is is one thing, but winning the race in style. So you've got, you. I mean, the kit is flawless. Black and white, super simple. You've got the bright high-vis yellow shoes, and the Bontrager socks are perfectly front and back so that the B is right there and the shoes and the Oakley's match and your Met helmet is just ever so slightly cocked to the side. And I mean, the foreground is crystal clear with the riders in the background, all fuzzy because you're just, you just drop the hammer on them. I, I, I feel like you should be teaching lessons in how to post up with this photo. Has anybody come up to you since then and been like, hey, man, I remember this. I remember that picture. That picture makes it worth it. <laughs> Not yet. No, <laughs> but I will never, ever be able to for forget that photo. <laughs> well, when you win your first race with First Internet Bank, you've got to think about these things. You got to think about what the post up is going to look like. I know in 2020, you got second in a race. For 2021 and and beyond, how big of a deal is it for you to get that first win for this new team? It'll be huge. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, you know, I'm already thinking about the post up, so hopefully it'll come soon. But it's it's definitely going to be all about the opportunities that they've given me. So the fact that I get the the opportunity to race for them and that they gave me the chance to go for the win on that specific day. That'll be huge for me, and it, it'll be unbelievable. Well, we are going to look forward to seeing you out there, Tyler, for that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the show. Today's episode was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly. For more information about the show and about what we're doing here, please visit CriteriumNation.com. That's our website, or you can follow us on Instagram or on Twitter at CriteriumNation. We are a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. Please become a member. Please head on over to the website, WideAnglePodium.com. Please do what you can to support this content creator-owned network and the great work that our friends and fellow co-hosts are doing here. I hope that you guys have a great beginning to your new year 
and that you will be back next week when we share more stories from our Criterium Nation.